0: Good evening, this is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you so much listening to the program. Try to listen every week and you'll get some continuity of, of all the subjects and the topics we talk about instead of just listening possibly just one week and then you, you don't know uh, what we're talking about from week to week. You just catch one thing, but hopefully we cover a number of different subjects if you'll listen every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. Um, we talk about John 8, verse 32, quite a bit on this program. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The context shows that it's talking about being made free from sin. And that's one of the premises of this program is that only the truth, God's truth, will set us free from sin. Jesus said in John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So the truth is defined by God's word. So what the Bible teaches, God's word teaches, defines for us what the truth is. And we have to believe and practice that truth, what the Bible teaches, to be set free from our sin. All of these different preachers and different churches teaching different things, there's no way they all can be preaching the truth. Contradictory doctrines, two plus two can't equal four and five at the same time. And only the truth will set us free from sin. Religion is the only thing where people act like Everybody can say different things and they'll all be right. <laughs> I mean, if one mathematics teacher says the square root of nine is three and another mathematics teacher says the square root of nine is four, we would understand right off the bat. They both aren't telling us the truth about that mathematical equation because <laughs> they're coming up with different answers. So they both can't be right. Why is it in religion, the only thing is all of these people Preachers can come up with different answers and we say that they're all right. No, only the truth will set us free from sin. John 8, 32, verse 31. You have to continue in Jesus's word to be a true disciple. I thought tonight while we were waiting on our first call, we would look at James 5, 19 and 20. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment, and by the way, the lines are wide open right now. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. Eight seven seven, six five five six seven five five. If you have a Bible question or comment, James five nineteen and twenty reads this way: Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. Now notice, this is talking about or talking to brethren. It's talking to a born-again Christian. Compared to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, which says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So we're talking about brethren here. Brethren would be people who have partaken of the heavenly calling. These are saved people. They're born-again people. But according to James 5, they, quote, err from the truth. The New King James says it's somebody who wanders from the truth. Now, if you have a child... Wonder from the house, that means they were at the house and they left the house. They erred or wandered from the house. Here, this is talking about wandering from the truth, erring from the truth. So this is talking about a Christian, a brother in Christ who wanders from the truth. He errs from the truth. He was with the truth. He was a Christian to start with, but now he errs from the truth. Now, a Calvinist would say that's not possible that if you're a true Christian, you couldn't possibly err or wonder from the truth. But this verse is talking to brethren. It says, and it presents the possibility that that brother in Christ might err or wonder from the truth. Now, here in North Alabama, I live near Huntsville. We don't have any roadside signs warning people about sharks. Why? Because we We don't live near the ocean. So why would you warn people about sharks? Why would God warn Christians from erring from the truth if the Calvinists are right that it's impossible for a Christian to err from the truth? It doesn't make any sense. We'll pick that verse back, back up in a minute. Kenny, go ahead with your Bible yeah. question
1: or comment, please. Um, I don't know what section of the Bible or what scripture part, but when Jesus was tempted by the enemy, 40 days, 40 nights, as in, um, was he actually hungry for food, knowing that, I'm the Christ, but I'm also God at the same time. Like, this is foolishness. I can't be tempted because I'm not going to fall. But but was he, I don't know if you understand where exactly I'm going, but was he really tempted to eat something when he was practically felt like he was starving at death? Well,
0: the answer is yes. Where where you're talking about, where he was tempted – Three times by the devil is in Matthew chapter four, verse one says, then was Jesus led up the t- spirit to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So the Bible says Jesus was tempted. It says when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward unhungered. So after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, he was definitely hungry. Wouldn't you say, Kenny? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah he I, was hungry. That- So he was hungry, and and the devil tempted him, and Jesus resisted the temptation. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus was tempted, Kenny, just like you and me. Okay? He was tempted. The difference is he went 33 years and didn't succumb to a temptation, not one time. To me, that's the greatest accomplishment in the history of the world. And he was really tempted. Of course, you pointed out, Kenny. He was God, but he was also man. He it was the Word was made flesh, John 1 14. So he was fully man, and so he would be tempted just like any other man. But thankfully, for our souls' sake, he never was. He never succumbed to any of the temptations. Kenny, got to follow up with that.
1: Uh, I would – then why do I feel um, inappropriate when I try not to sin and I do it anyway? Um, well, a lot of times I don't want to, but I find myself doing, like Paul said, I find myself doing what I don't want to do. It is no, inappropriate not, for us to sin. I can, Kenny, that's, that's the I point. Not, the fact that – go ahead. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I, I was talking over you. There's some time lapse here in the phone. I apologize, but – you know, I can stop doing coke, you know, back – it was an 80s thing. That was a long time ago. Um, I can stop smoking cigarettes, but I can't stop and control the one thing that keeps me separated from Christ, and that's my tongue. And I know it's kind of different than, than, other than what we talk about, but I
0: sin. Kenny, what I was going to say, Kenny – Kenny, it is inappropriate for anybody to sin. If I sin, it is inappropriate, and, and and we see that from Jesus Christ. We see that from Christ, that Christ was tempted like as we are, yet he did not sin, and he was a man just like we are. Therefore, that proves we don't have to sin. There, there's nothing, nobody forcing us to sin. Every time we sin, it's our choice. And so the fact that Christ lived perfectly shows then that every time that Pat sins it is inappropriate and I need to feel bad for that and I need to repent and I don't need to make excuses like I can't help it or anything like that no Jesus proves we can't help it every time we sin it's because we're tempted and we succumb to that temptation we don't have to succumb never do Christ proves that he lived as a man and he never succumbed to a temptation and that should be our goal and when we don't meet that goal we should be disappointed realize that it's inappropriate and repent of that and get get forgiveness from God. David from Pennsylvania, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please.
2: Yes, uh, you talk about faith and works, right?
0: Yes, I, I do quite a bit. I guess okay. you're right. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah, where in the Bible does it say how much works we need?
0: Well, the Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 10... It says, whosoever shall keep the law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. Okay. Does that answer your question? So,
2: well, not really, because how can I be assured of heaven if I really don't know exactly how much works I need?
0: Well, but but you asked the question, how much do you need? And I, answer, I gave you the Bible answer, so you do know so how much works you need. You
2: don't, so you're saying if you don't do it 100%, you're going to hell.
0: Well, I didn't say that. What I...
2: Well, David, you did, appreciate it. but I did, yes, Hold it, did. David.
0: No, no. What I did is I gave you a verse, James 10. So you said, you said. I didn't say it. God said it. Well, Whosoever you... shall offend in one point is guilty of all. So you don't okay. need to think. All right, so, so here's the point, David. Don't think that I'm going to – I can be assured of heaven if I'm doing nine out of ten things right. Let's say I'm not killing anybody. I'm not raping anybody. So I guess it's okay with God if I can – I'll commit adultery against my wife because I'm doing – I don't have, obviously, I don't have to do everything, so it's okay with God if I commit adultery against my wife. No, God expects you to do everything, obey everything in his word, and anytime you fall short of that, you should be very disappointed because your goal is perfection, and so you repent of your sins and get forgiveness. So to go to heaven, David, you need to obey God. Hebrews 5, 9 says, Jesus became the author of eternal salvation To all them that obey him. So it's only those that obey God are going to be saved. And when you fail, when you sin, you need to repent of that and get forgiveness. So the only people going to heaven are those who've been forgiven of their sins. Go ahead, David. Okay,
2: so you've led a, a really good godly life and you're driving down the road and you have an adulterous thought in your mind and you're killed in a car accident. What happens to you then?
0: You know... So so the question about faith and works, David, I think I've already answered your question. The question about faith and works. I'm asking you works, about the that's... car
2: accident. I'm asking you about the car accident. Yeah. You so, have an adulterous thought a... and you don't repent okay. because you have a car accident. What happens to you? What,
0: what if that, David, what, was, what if that was a homosexual thought?
2: I, I'm asking you about – it could be any thought. It <laughs> could be stealing. It could be uh, coveting your neighbor's yeah. wife. It could be anything. I'm asking you. Do you have are you Patrick are you 100% sure of heaven you so
0: david the way you can be sure of heaven is not by no, no, saying I'm,
2: I'm asking if you david, are assured david let of me heaven.
0: answer your question let me ask you okay. que- answer your question okay the way you can be assured of heaven the way i can be assured of heaven is not by saying i don't rape anybody i don't kill anybody therefore it's okay that for me to commit adultery against my wife. The way to be assured of heaven is knowing from Matthew 7, 7, Jesus said, seek and you shall find that if I'm truly seeking God, I will find God, I will find the truth. So it never means that it's okay to sin. The Bible says in passages like Luke thirteen three. David, Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Now, either Jesus was telling the truth there or he was not telling the truth. And I believe he was telling the truth. That unless we repent of our sins we're not going to be forgiven. Now David uh, came on the air asking about faith and works. Well, what does the Bible say about faith and works? James two twenty four says, You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. So that should settle the question for us right there. Faith and works. It's not by faith only, justification is not by faith only, but it's also by works. James chapter two verse ten. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. So we were looking at James five nineteen through 20. Here we have, it's talking about a brother, talking to a brother in Christ. He errs from the truth, which is what a Calvinist say can't happen, but this says it does happen. And it says, well, if a brother errs from the truth, then our responsibility is to try to convert him back. Our job is to try to win the fallen brother back to Christ. Compare that to Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So, If a brother errs from the truth, we're to try to convert him back. Why? Because if we do, the passage we read says we'll save a soul from death. So if we fail to convert him back, that would imply that his soul will die. That's spiritual death. We're not talking about physical death here. We're talking about his soul will die. That's spiritual death. So obviously from James 5, 19 and 20, it's possible for a Christian to lose his salvation... Because here's a brother that errs or wanders from the truth and our duties try to convert him back. If he refuses to be converted back, his soul will die. So he loses his salvation. If we convert him back, we save his soul from death. And, uh, it says we, it shall hide a multitude of sins. Notice that the fallen Christian sins are not forgiven until he is converted back, until he repents. And so... That's what James 5, 19 and 20 is trying to get us to do is here's a person, a Christian who errs from the truth, try to convert him back. And if you're successful, you'll save his soul from death. If he refuses to be converted back, that Christian will lose his salvation. He'll be lost. We'll talk more about James five nineteen and 20 in a minute, but let's go to James in Canada. Go, Canada, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. James, you're on the air. Can you hear me? I'm on the air, yeah. Yeah, James uh, from Canada. Go ahead, your Bible was, question or yeah. comment, please. Well it was just more like a, sort of like an opinion, I guess, maybe what the guy was asking about uh about um like a car accident or if you don't have a chance to repent. Um well, Yeah you go know, ahead, like, James. Yeah, well if it's like if it's a reoccurring thought, like these, these adulterous thoughts like, you know, uh I don't really know what to say. I just want to add Like, you know, we're going to end up in the judgment, you know. So I I don't know really what to say, man. I'm just going to let you go. (laughs) Sorry for that. Okay. Thanks for your call, James. Dennis from North Carolina, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, Yes, sir.
3: I've listened to you quite a few times, and I've always heard you say that it's imperative that you must be baptized by water in order to be saved. How do you justify the thief on the cross that begged for
0: Jesus forgiveness that he was saved or unsaved? Dennis, that's a good question. Let me ask you, I'm going to read to you a passage. I'm going to, I want you to see what you think. I'm going to read James nine fifteen through 17. It says, and for this cause, he, talking about Christ, is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death, For the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. I think the point, uh, Dennis, made by the writer here is there's a parallel here being drawn. I have three brothers. My parents made out their will in the 1970s, but the four boys, us four boys, did not receive the inheritance till after the death of my parents. And so, it's saying the same thing with Jesus's last will and testament. The New Testament, Jesus's New Testament, according to Hebrews nine fifteen through seventeen, did not go into force until after the death of the testator, Jesus Christ. So the thief on the cross did not live. Under the law of Christ, Dennis, here's my answer. The law of Christ is what requires one to be baptized to be saved. The Old Testament law didn't require that. The thief, the, the, the law of the thief lived under. That's why Adam and Eve didn't have to be baptized, Noah didn't have to be baptized, Abraham, Moses, they didn't have to be baptized. They didn't live under this New Testament law, Dennis, that requires a person to be baptized to be saved. Jesus said. In Mark sixteen, sixteen, in the Great Commission, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Well, that was many, many days after the thief was already dead and gone. Dennis, does that answer your question? You see where I'm coming from on Hebrews nine, fifteen through seventeen? Well, I understand what you said, but uh
3: after we're under the law of Jesus Christ, okay, once saved always
0: said. Do you believe that? Well, no. We were just looking at James five nineteen and twenty that proves once saved always saved is false, right? He says if a brother errs from the truth in James five nineteen and twenty, then uh you, you're our responsibility is try to convert him back. If we do, we save his soul from death. Which means if he's not converted back, this Christian who wanders from the truth, his soul's going to die. He's going to be lost. Go ahead, Dennis. I'm sorry okay. if I could accidentally cut you off.
3: Uh, so what about Jesus or uh, the Apostle Paul said you were sealed and no one can break that seal?
0: Yeah, the Bible does say that we're sealed, but it, but it doesn't say that God cannot break that seal. As a matter of fact, the grave of Jesus Christ was sealed, but it was broken. So seals can be broken. Matter of fact, most seals end too. up being broken. Yeah, most seals end up being a, broken.
3: Yeah, that's exactly right. So... But so we can uh, be saved
0: one day and not the next. Well, isn't that what James five nineteen and twenty says? It says, "Brother, no. if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins." So you have a brother, Dennis, errs from the truth; he wanders from the truth. We're to try to convert him back, and it says basically, if we don't convert him back, his soul is going to die. It's a brother in Christ. His soul is going to die. He's going to be lost. Yes. Yeah, so a well, Christian can lose their salvation. This this idea that it's impossible for a Christian to fall from grace. That's just wishful thinking, Dennis. The Bible doesn't teach like that anywhere. Dennis, did my did my did Hebrews nine fifteen through 17. Did that respond to your question about why was did the thief not have to be baptized when we do?
3: Well, like I said, partly on I understood the law of Christ and the law of Moses. But uh I have uh, many times I have heard of people being saved on their deathbed with no chance
1: of
0: uh baptism. Well say so, if, if they if they weren't baptized then how could they be saved? Jesus said he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So if we say somebody's saved on their deathbed without baptism I know people don't intend this, but that's like calling Jesus a liar. He says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So if we say somebody's saved without baptism today under our covenant, then we're calling Jesus a liar. Peter said, when he was talking to some believers in Acts 2, he said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So Peter, inspired of God, says that a believer has to repent and be baptized to get the remission of sins. So if we say a person so Jesus, is saved on his deathbed without baptism, we're calling Peter, the Apostle Peter, a liar. Aren't we, Dennis?
3: No, I don't think so. But,
0: well, okay, okay, so Jesus we'll consider never that. sinned. Jesus never sinned, correct? That's right. Jesus never sinned. Hebrews 4.15. We were that, read that verse earlier in the program. Tempted at all points baptized? like as we are, but be up without sin well he was baptized it says to fulfill all righteousness to be a good example for us he got baptized to show us but uh-huh. we, he's not baptized for the remission of sins he had none but acts 238 tells us why we need to be baptized Peter said and this is he's inspired of God repent and be baptized for the remission of sins so Dennis the reason that you and I need to be baptized is for the remission of sins matter of fact If we don't do it for that reason, then we haven't done it for the reason that God specifies. So not only is that the reason we should be baptized, we better do it for that reason. If we're doing it for another reason, we're doing it for the wrong reason.
3: So why don't we have a line of people that's just rushing to the baptistry just to be dunked in the water and get baptized, and then they go on living like
0: a sinner? Well, because... Not when you're baptized, it says repent and be baptized. So getting dunked won't do you any good unless you repent ahead of time. Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So a person has to repent. They're committing to changing their life. They get baptized. They get the remission of sins when they're baptized, according to Acts 2.38. Not before. As a matter of fact, Paul saw Tarsus believed on the road to Damascus, but he wasn't forgiven of his sins when he believed. Ananias told him in Acts 22.16 Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So Paul's sins were not washed away until he was baptized. And then since we repent and be baptized, Acts 2.38 God expects us to follow through on that commitment after we're baptized. We have to change our life or that baptism won't do us any good. Does that answer your question, Dennis? not really, but anyway, thanks a lot. You know, another passage, thank you for your call, Dennis, another passage that teaches you got to be baptized to be saved is First Peter three twenty one, where it says, the like figure went to baptism, doth also now save us. God would not say that baptism saves us if a person didn't have to be baptized to be saved. No way he would do that. Why would God mislead people to thinking that you got to be baptized to be saved by saying baptism saves us? Wouldn't do that. We, we're going to have to go off the air in less than a minute. We appreciate your calls. Sorry I didn't get to all the calls. If you'll try to call back next week, we'll try to get you on the air. Uh, for anybody who's tried to call in and we didn't have time to get to you. Uh, if you would like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me, sometime at your convenience, then you just give me a call or text me at my, my cell phone number, Pat Donahue at 256-682-9753. 256-682-9753. Call or text me if you want that free one hour phone Bible study. Don't forget about a passage like 2 John verse 9. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. So we have to abide in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ, to have God to be saved. Keep that in mind as you go out throughout this week. We appreciate you listening tonight.